I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 376. Thank you to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com, and they've got a lot of really fantastic records for sale there. So go to respectsextet.com and buy them. Thank you. Thanks to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. He's online at twitter.com slash Dave Rabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. You can also review the show on iTunes. If you use iTunes to get the show, or even if you just have iTunes, but you listen to the show some other way, like on the website, would you please open up iTunes, go to the iTunes store, and search for The Jazz Session, and then when the podcast comes up, you can rate it with a number of stars up to five. You just click on the number of stars that you want. And then you can write a small text review. And if you do that, it helps the show, assuming you write nice things and give it a high rating. <laughs> it helps the show go up in the rankings, and that makes it more likely that other people will find it. So here it comes, folks. This Friday, if you're listening to this in real time, June 1st, 2012, this Friday, I am starting my tour. I'm heading to Wilmington, Delaware. I'm doing my first interview on the tour on Saturday, June 2nd, and the first show produced from a tour interview will be Monday, June 4th. So coming up just one week from today's show, you'll hear my first interview from the tour and uh, my first reports from the tour. I'm very, very, very excited. It's going to be really, really cool. I've got tons of stops booked. I've got poetry readings booked. I'll be in Richmond, Virginia on June 12th at Chop Suey Books. I'll be doing a reading in Nashville, Tennessee on June 17th, location to be announced, but it's going to be part of a jazz show, so there'll be music too. I think I'm going to be doing a reading in Shepherdstown, West Virginia on June 6th, and watch for details on that. You can find my itinerary and also support the tour at thejazzsession.com slash tour. And don't forget, it's your membership that's going to keep me going while I'm on the road. So you can make a one-time donation at thejazzsession.com slash tour, or you can become a recurring member at thejazzsession.com slash join. You can do that for as little as $10 a month, or if you want to pay in a yearly sum, you can do it for $110 a year. To get the tour thank you gifts, you can make your one-time donation, as I said, at thejazzsession.com slash tour. I also have a poetry blog, jasoncrane.org, and if you go there, you'll find recordings from the readings that I'm doing on the tour, and I think I'm going to keep my tour diary on that site, but I'm not really sure. I'm still figuring out. I guess it, we'll, we'll have to see what I produce. Uh, I was thinking that I might do you know, the podcasts, obviously, on thejazzsession.com and maybe keep the, the other stuff at jasoncrane.org, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll just keep it all in one place. But anyway, watch thejazzsession.com slash tour for full information on what's happening. My guest today is the guitarist Miles Okazaki. He's been on the show once before, and if you go to the archives, you can find his previous interview. He's got a new album now called Figurations, and we'll hear some music from that, and then my conversation with Miles Okazaki.
My guest for the second time and more than 300 episodes ago was the first time, which I can't really believe. It's crazy. Is uh, the guitarist and composer, Miles Okazaki. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again, Jason. So I felt really smart because uh, I was listening to this record the first time and I thought, oh, I can already tell what my first question will be. It'll be this really smart question about the progression from the all the little pieces put together on mirrors into the kind of longer looks at the same structures on uh, generations and then into this live performance thing on figurations. And I was like, oh, man, this is why I get paid the big bucks. And then I finally, (laughs) many times later after listening to it, read the liner notes, and that's exactly what the liner notes are about. So may as well not shy away from the obvious. Why don't you tell me about the the progression in these albums? Yeah, you're going deep. (laughs) You're going deep on it. Well, I mean, it also has to do with, uh, I guess, progressing as a person, you know, just the, your working uh, working process and stuff like that. But, yeah, my, f- my first record, this new record is like a, a part three kind of a thing. It's a three-part thing. And I, I actually kind of had it planned out like that from the beginning, but not, not in all the details. But I definitely wanted to do three things because I like that number in particular. And... Uh, so this first record, Mirror, was like a very meticulously produced, um, very uh, fragmented kind of record where all these things were put together like a little puzzle in the studio, you know. Some things we did in the studio are actually like we never even performed because they were too, really too complex to even deal with in a live situation, you know. And then uh, and then I, I did the record Generations a few years ago, um, and that was with a larger ensemble because I was, I wanted to deal a lot with with some ideas about harmony, and I wanted to have a bunch of horns playing the harmony and all that. And uh, and so that was a little less control in the studio. We did the whole record in one take, you know. And I I kind of wanted to get that energy, that feeling of like you know maybe you're making mistakes, but you have to forge ahead type of thing, you know, that you get when when it's happening live. And then that 
the natural progression was to make a live record. Uh, so this is a live record, and, and there's even more mistakes on it. <laughs> but, no, you know, I'll forget what even they are. You know, in a few years, I won't even remember what they were supposed to be anyway. So, uh, But uh, I, I like the idea of, uh, of, of capturing a certain moment in time, you know, and not trying to have too much control. Uh, I mean, I like the control thing also, but I like to present both sides of it. So this is the other side, and this is the, so it's a live recording and, and something I've been wanting to do for a while because the records that I, in my formative years, the ones I listened to the most were live records, you know, Miles, Miles Davis, 64, Carnegie Hall, or, or a Monk at the Five Spot, or West Montgomery in, in San Francisco, and, uh, you know, goes on and on, um, Probably the most important one being Coltrane at the five at the uh, at the half note in um, 1965, and uh, you know just I, that feeling of of being in a space at a certain time. I want to try and get get that vibe a little bit. You know, that's also my favorite live Coltrane record. Most people don't mention that record, man. I love oh, that record. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of a Rosetta Stone for a certain yeah. certain type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's 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 a lot of different uh, versions of it. I mean, I think it was actually commercially released last year or something but i've had these tapes i actually had them on cassettes yeah me too There are, there are kind of thematic ideas that reappear all throughout this cycle of records. Can you talk a little bit about that, some of the ideas that you were exploring on these three albums? Um, yeah, I mean, there's... Well, in a broad sense, I, it's, it's this three thing, you know, this triple thing. And, and uh, you know, there's three records, and there's kind of three, basically three elements of music that I wanted to focus on in terms of like, I mean, the idea was to sort of just lay out whatever my, my personal language might be, you know, in terms of composition on these Mm -hmm. things. The first one being rhythmic studies, the second one being harmonically based, and this one being more focused on melodies, you know, and, uh, you know, I I don't want to get too technical and all that, but, but that's the general idea. You know, of course, everything on all these records has rhythm, harmony, and melody. But it's just a general thrust of each one you could you could take in that direction. It's kind of like with each record I'm trying to I was trying to cut out cut the fat off a little bit, you know. The charts get smaller and smaller and it's trying to get to the really the the, the germ of the idea. So really most of the re- ideas on this record like the conceptual things are still the same that I had before. They're just a little more concise i think you know they're they're 30 something rather than 20 something <laughs> versions of <you> know. <laughs> and, and there's also uh there are kind of theoretical or mathematical ideas underpinning some of these pieces mm. uh, the golden mean and fibonacci sequences and that kind of thing can you talk a little about how that and not only about what those are but 
how you factor those in a musical way into composition. Yeah, well, the Fibonacci and the golden mean thing is something that's ancient, you know, and it's it's just something that exists in nature. Um, Can you just define those real quick for folks? Well, okay, uh, let's see. Now I'm thinking of the the definition that, that the way that, that Vijay Iyer described it on your other podcast, <laughs> which is much better than what I'm going to do. But basically, uh, I like the idea of, of self-similarity, that mm. something can appear um, – Similar on different scales. Like you can look at things under different levels of magnification and it looks the same. Like, you know, certain plants are like that or tree branches or ferns or, you know, all kinds of things are like that. And uh, and uh, the Fibonacci series of numbers is something that appears in nature as a natural growth process and other kinds of things where, I mean, technically it's like, you know, 1 plus 1 is 2, 1 plus 2 is 3, 2 plus 3 is 5, et cetera, and you keep that going or you can use other numbers. You know, you can use kind of any numbers you want really to start out with and you'll still get the same result, which is that the relationship of any two numbers, no matter how large they are, is kind of the same proportion. Okay. And uh, and so why is that useful? Well, um, I find it useful because I'm interested in, in symmetry, but I'm not interested in things that are like uh, – when you make music that's, that's totally symmetrical, like, like a mirror image type of things, you usually get stuff that um, – I don't know. It can be it can be difficult. Like sonically, doesn't sometimes work. I don't know why, but but for some reason the 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 asymmetry of of the of the the, the golden mean thing. One one piece is bigger than the other. You know, uh, it seems to have a natural arc for a lot of different applications. You know, and then you can take that smaller piece and divide that the same way. So rather than if say you cut something in half. And you cut each of those halves in half, and you keep, cut each of those halves in half. Everything is exactly the same. There's no variation. Right. But if you had something and you cut it into a golden bean where one is part is bigger than the other, and then you could take each of those parts and, and also cut those up, then you have this kind of very interesting mutating kind of thing, which to me is more musical than a grid, you know. But it is, and it's it's connected to nature, which is, you know, really the, the whole point of it for me, you know. And so I would say almost all the music on these records has something to do with that. And all the artwork, too. I mean, this is all, that's a golden rectangle on the cover of that thing right there. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just, uh, and all those little lines are like branching uh, things. So uh, it's, I just keep trying to do it over and over and over again, uh, embedding that type of structure in the stuff to, 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 to give, to try to build a connection with natural things, you know, rather than, than, uh, maybe I just don't trust my own intuition, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I like to have, I like to have a structure that's related to something outside of music sometimes, you know? And when you're saying connected to nature, that's because this idea of the golden mean appears all over the place. We find it in all kinds of things. Yeah. That I mean, occur in the it, occur, world, it right? occurs in things that humans haven't made. You know, you know, there's all kinds of things. So the way that animals reproduce, the way that plants grow, these are things humans didn't do that, you know. So, but humans are making music, so, I, I, but I want to feel that connection, you know, somehow. Can you give me a, a concrete example of how you take something uh, like the Golden Mean or a Fibonacci sequence and actually apply it to a piece of music? Well, it usually has to do with rhythm. Okay. You know, and that's really my primary focus, I guess is rhythm, you know, um, overall, if I had to pick something, you know. Um, and I have quite a few 
compositions where the uh, where the uh, form is is based on some kind of of ratio, you know, like some, for example, the title track on this record, Figurations, is uh, a rhythmic cycle where the ratio is uh, 89 to 55. like the the maybe the tenth and eleventh term of that series um, and those together make 144 which is a really nice number to deal with in music it's 12 cycles of 12 and something like a uh, you can have something that's like symmetrical so I, I and that thing is something like it's symmetrical like it's 12 12 but it's also 89 55 which is asymmetrical you know and, uh, and does that mean something happens over a form that lasts 89 beats and then something over 55 beats? Or what yeah, in this particular case, it's 89 16th notes okay. or something. However you want to call it, but it's 89 very short things because the okay. whole form isn't that long. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty, uh, pretty um, fast moving. And then within the 89, there's this structure that's, 30, that's, that's 55 to 34, which is the same ratio but with smaller numbers. And within the 55, there's a 34 to 21, which is the same thing. And within the 34, there's a 21 to 13. And within the, you know, so it keeps getting smaller and smaller down like that. And those, those smaller pieces are what I could use. I can put the harmonies into those blocks, you know, or something like that. Um, and so that's what I did on that thing. I got it down to being like in eights and thirteens or something like that. Uh, and I mean, uh, it, it can sound kind of pedantic, I guess, if I want, if I talk about it like that. I mean, the whole point of it is how it sounds. And and there's a in that particular thing, there's a big, big climax at that point, at the golden mean point. And and that just playing it over and over again, it just gives me like, you know, physically a better feeling for what that sound is. You know, it's like if it was a blues, it's like right before you go to the five chord, you know, or something like that. Like you can, it's like in terms of form, like you can, you can, you can uh, internalize that just the same way like you internalize anything else, you know. But 
takes repetition. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> leads naturally i guess to the next question i mean this this record for me at least is really about kind of the the performative essence of what you're doing musically i mean it really feels like it's pared down to the the very human core of your music um and to get to that place i wonder how much the other musicians have to internalize this kind of level of comprehension of what's happening in the form. I mean, I know like it, this is already something I think Dan Weiss is pretty familiar with, and uh, maybe you can tell me how familiar um, your other two partners are as well. But it seems like that's something it's so core to the music that you're making. Do you need them to really internalize no, those concepts? Not no? at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't burden anyone with my, <laughs> you know, sort of obsessive, you know, uh, you know, obs- personal obsessions, but, but, uh, for example, I mean, with with Dan Weiss, I mean, I've been playing with him for about fifteen years now, and a lot of these things I've kind of worked out with him actually. Mm. So, like, we didn't use any sheet music, you know, we just played, and and all the stuff is memorized. So, um, so he is very fast with understanding things, and if I tell him, well, this is like that type of thing, I refer to something else, you know, plus this, or you put this inside of that. Like, we have sort of like a a language that we can use for that without really talking about it too much. You know, I just be like, this is the way it sounds you hit there. And, and, um, and then, you know, I mean, the other musicians, Miguel Zanone, I've been playing with since school days, about 10 or 12 years, you know, and, uh, I mean, he's really fast. He can, he can, he can, he can get anything. I, I, but it's funny with with these guys. I've never really talked about much of of the the theory stuff. Mm. It's mostly just you know the sound. We just sure. deal with that. And uh, there were a few things on on this that had to be explained because otherwise they just look very strange. You know, if you just see the, the sheet music. Um, but uh, and then Thomas is he's, he's very mysterious. I have no idea how his brain works, but he sounds great all the time and he <laughs> nails everything. But. <laughs> But if I, you know, if I if 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 I talk to him about something, he just goes, mm, you know, like real quiet, and 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 then I don't know what's processing in there, but it works. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the the kind of marriage of the the visual um, and the music. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on your your last interview, and I wonder if. Uh, you feel like there's a any kind of evolution to the visual side of what you're doing, uh, or or even just a series to the visual side of what you're doing in the same way that there has been with the music on these three records. Yeah, it's funny. The visual thing is kind of going the opposite direction, hmm. uh, because uh, well, first of all, when I did that first record, I hadn't drawn anything 
uh, in about 20 years. I hadn't picked up. I mean, I, I was really into artwork as a kid and as a teenager, and then I gave it up to deal with music because I couldn't didn't have enough time. Uh, and I figured I wouldn't really get back into it, but then I just started. I started making some sketches, and it felt kind of good. Uh, but my my technique was real, real rough, you know. On that first record, you could see that the the stuff is kind of wild looking, you know. And then it's getting more and more meticulous. And these these drawings for this record, I did in something like like uh, that. The the inside cover image was just like a picture of a studio which has a lot of other, has, brings in all these drawings from the other records and all this stuff. I mean, that has something like 40 different layers in it. It was like crashing my computer to try and even <laughs> open up the image. Huh? So that's sort of like the way I made the first record musically, you know, but it's the drawing part. You know, it's kind of going the opposite direction, you know. So uh, I spent way too long on those. <laughs> yeah, because they're so small now. Like, they were really large to begin with, so you can barely see anything. There's a lot of things you can't even see that I spent a long time on. So. You know, I was listening back uh, recently to our first conversation, mostly so I wouldn't ask you all the same questions. And there's a point in there in which you say, uh, you know, these talking about the drawings, and you say, well, you can't just put drawings in front of people. You have to have it in a common language, and in this case, uh, sheet music. But actually, it's reasonably common to have graphical scores in a lot of the world of music. And mm. I, well, I don't know how common it is, but it's certainly not. It's certainly not uncommon, at least. Um, and I, so I wonder how you know how close a relationship there is between the visual depiction and the sonic depiction, and whether since that last interview a few years ago you've ever tried kind of working from the graphical side. Yeah, well, I mean the the way I wrote, well, I didn't really write the music down originally. I just kind of played it and then or had it kind of in a in a graphical form, mm -hmm. you know to begin with because i see a lot of these i don't know a lot of this music is kind of like shape based like i see it as shapes this is what this figurations thing is about figurations sure. are like shapes basically you know shapes moving in time shapes sonic shapes you know 
And so most of most of these things have some kind of visual shape, you know. Like the first track on here is like this melody that's just like a it's like a it's like a starts very small and grows and then it, it just reverses, you know, and then it's a pretty simple shape, you know, like a a diamond kind of a shape. Okay. Uh but if I make that like a chart that looks like that and I give it to a musician, I mean, it's going to take much longer than if I just write it in 4-4 four, four and just say, here's the notes. And I could describe it, you know. If you're interested, I'll give you the other thing. But, I mean, that's more for, you know, that's more. I I, I mean, if I, I put on my website, I actually have the original stuff on my website yeah, where it I has all it. the shapes. And uh, so that's, I think that's more for, like, non-musicians. Mm. Like, you could look at that and not know about music. And you could see, you could kind of hear the shape. You can kind of follow along a little bit, you know, on, on some of them. Especially like that first track, it's very obvious once you see the shape there, you know. Uh, but I, I, I like to, I like the idea that uh, that it's not just uh, that it's not catering to musicians really. You know, I like to have some other point of entry for people, and that's what the whole point of the artwork thing is. It's like, well, um, if you're, you know. There's a lot of different levels that people listen to stuff on. They might be listening to this real technical stuff or dealing on the level you're dealing with, like really kind of uh, trying to get into, you know, this this theory stuff. Or they might just be dealing with the energy or they might be dealing with somewhere in between, you know. And uh, so I like to have some point of entry for all of those, you know. So there's definitely some some conceptual thing that you can check out. There's definitely like this energy thing I'm trying to project. That's the whole point of doing a live performance and that other record where it was kind of one take. And because to me, that's really the most important thing is the energy, you know. And uh, and then and then there's like this in between stuff where there's artwork where you, it's like, well, you can kind of if you if you're not interested in looking at the music or or knowing anything about the music, that's totally cool. But you if you want, you can look at these pictures. And you can kind of get the vibe, you know. You can kind of get the vibe of what we're you know of of it just by looking at these shapes you know it's not necessarily like this shape corresponds to this composition or that it's just like the overall the overall feeling of it is like this is the visual version of that according to according to me i guess you know um and i i think that you know that might help i mean it helps me if i'm going to something i don't know about to have a different way to get into it you know so yeah, I like that because it's it feels like it it lowers the bar to entry a little bit. I mean, I think so much of this music that we talk about, at least that I talk about on this show, seems opaque to people a lot of the mm, time. Yeah. And this this feels like it's another another entry, another way to get in. Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to just have have it have music be a a way to communicate. You know, if you're if you're blocking that communication with a lot of uh, a lot of language or a lot of terminology or whatever it just it, uh, it kind of defeats the purpose for me so yeah, yeah. Uh, you have also been pretty busy recently playing with a lot of other people can you talk about some of the the work you've been doing outside of your own band mm, yeah um well pretty rhythmically based stuff i guess uh I mean, I I, uh, I do a duet project with Dan Weiss. We just did a, a residency up in uh, through the Jazz Gallery upstate in New York. And that was that was fun. We got back from that a couple of weeks ago, where we just spent a week banging out rhythms and about ten hours a day. So that was that was nice. Um, uh, played uh, a couple nights ago with uh, Jonathan Finlayson's band with Damian Reed and Keith Whitty and Shane Inslee and and. Uh, 
the same night played with Ohad Talmor's band, which is a really nice group of musicians too. And uh, and then the main thing that I've been doing for the last mm, few years is, is with Steve Coleman, who's really uh, really changed my musicianship, I think, uh, uh, for the better. And uh, it's really hard, actually, pretty hard to describe the influence because he's he's become quite a quite a large influence. He's uh, uh, incredible musician, and uh, uh, we did a, we did quite a few tours with no drums with him. So that was <laughs> I kind of had to step up my rhythmic acuity with that, you know. And uh, and then we recently did some stuff with drums. It was great, some recording, and and uh, and so that's that definitely has informed a lot of this music also because the, the last record I think I think when you call the last. Uh, uh, interview. I was at his house. I was oh, at Steve I think Coleman's house. I was at his house, <laughs> and we were practicing. And I was like really fried. And then we had that interview. But <laughs> but uh, I think I had just I had just started hanging out with him, and I wasn't trying to play with him or anything. I just kind of wanted to pick his brain because he hadn't used a guitar in years. I didn't really think I would end up playing with him at all. But but uh, I mean, it's like that type of thing where you you work really hard at something, and then you realize like. Wait, there's people out there who have like done everything I've done and gone way farther. So why am I like reinventing the wheel? Like why don't I just, you know, because it's not that that he's done exactly the same thing, but in the, the general direction that he's working in is 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 very much general direction that I'm working, I want to work in, you know. So, um, so we got into some some very very long and detailed discussions email thing over the years uh, hundreds of pages of of very very strange topics and and trying to hook up it's kind of this holistic thing that 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 we were talking about before just trying to to connect music to a lot of different types of things you know uh he's very much into things like uh astronomy and astrology and 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 natural phenomena and Systems uh, that people humans have created, organizational systems, I Ching, uh, you know, DNA, things from biology, all kinds of stuff. So I mean, it's it goes all over the place. But it, but uh, that's that's been a really huge uh, um, learning process for me. You know, trying to trying to absorb some of that stuff. Uh, I'm glad I didn't do it. I'm glad I didn't meet him when I was like. 22 or something because <laughs> you could just like be totally totally absorbed into that you know uh into a personality like because he's a very 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 intense person you know um but anyway that and uh and and various other things teaching and things like that but i've been pretty busy yeah
you mentioned the Jazz Gallery just a moment ago, uh, the the duet work with Dan Weiss, and this album was recorded live at the Jazz Gallery. Can you talk about how that came to happen? Well, the uh, Jazz Gallery is is been kind of my uh, home base for all this work, you know, and uh, they've been hugely supportive. I'll plug them. The fact that they're looking for a new space now is like, well, I guess pretty much everybody knows that at this point, but who knows? Maybe some somebody is uh, is listening and wants to you know wants to give up some space you know we've been playing there for years and then they 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 asked me to do this residency there which was like a uh, a composer's residency so i spent about three weeks almost a month there just going in every day go to work you know pack my lunch and just working all day sitting at sitting at the drums sitting at the guitar and sitting at the piano you know and uh and I just wrote all the music at that little stretch and then rehearsed there and then recorded there all in one spot. And then and that was it. It was kind of, I've never done something like that quite so quite so uh, uh, focused for such a short amount of time. So, What was that like from a compositional standpoint, going in and every day kind of treating it like a, like a job? It inevitably gives the composition some kind of unified intent, you know, because... Um, I mean, it's just who you are at that point in time. Whatever you put out, you know, it's going to be kind of, kind of have a similar, similar vibe to it, you know. Um, so, and also the time constraint is like, well, I need to get it done, and uh, I'm just going to live with this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say, well, this is what it is, you know. I can't fiddle with it and keep fiddling with it, you know. It's just gonna, that's what it is, and I have to, you got to make kind of decisions, and and uh, that's what's good about deadlines, you know. You have to make decisions. And, uh, Do you feel like you have a natural tendency to to edit and redo and revise? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I could go on endlessly revising and editing. You know, as you get older and have less time, I think you get better at making decisions. It's <laughs> 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 <was> like, well, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's what it is. You know, <laughs> and then it turns out to be fine. Usually, it's like it doesn't really get that much better. You know, it's like usually the first thing is the best thing. You know, I find. It, uh, with takes in the studio and all kinds of stuff, it's usually that first thing is you know uh, is has has something special in it. So. Now that you've come to the end of this three-part series of these three albums, uh, do you have some idea of what's coming next? Yeah, I'll change careers. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, uh, uh, I, no, I don't. I mean, I have a couple ideas in the works. I was thinking about doing. Uh, there's a lot of things. I've got a lot of ideas floating around. I mean, 
Does oh. it feel in some way like you're starting from a you know blank slate or like you're starting from a, a new beginning point? Or no, I mean, I feel like I I feel like this particular project is is complete, you know, and I, I feel good about that. Definitely relieved because uh, I thought maybe I would never get it done, you know. Um, but but now I don't know. I was thinking about dealing with some stuff of writing more about dealing with some stuff for certain instruments writing some stuff for just percussion and just strings or just voices and things like that trying to explore different instruments this is this is cause this stuff is dealing more with like musical concepts you sure know? Uh, but i've never spent much time thinking about the instruments themselves you know um that's one thing and i don't know i still like to play standards and stuff and maybe some <laughs> stuff like that. i don't know it's, it's very very hard to say uh I don't have any, uh, right now. I'm still I'm still dealing with this music and playing some gigs and things. So, but uh, but uh, you never know. I mean, you 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 write poetry and stuff. You never know when the idea is going to come or what. No, you that's know, right. You know what what might what you know. I might go out there and see something that well, like suddenly that's the beginning of something. I mean, I remember there's this there's this clave figure that I used on that song Mirror on that first record that I ended up using this clave for like. All through all three of these records, it's, it's just this simple clave. And it's like, I, and uh, I remember when I thought of that, I was just sitting, I was just at, I was at a gig and I was waiting to play, and I just started playing it. And then it, that just it came out of nowhere. It was like I wasn't even playing a, a jazz gig. I don't think I was doing something, something different. But it just uh, it ended up being like the whole rhythmic foundation of, for like ten years of music from nowhere, you know. So. So I don't know. I don't really know. Uh, try not to try not to think about it too much. It might go away. <laughs> <laughs> My guest is Miles Okazaki. The new album is called Figurations, and it's great to have you back on the show. I hope whatever the next idea is, you'll come back to talk about it. Well, anytime, Jason. It's great to see you, and keep up the good work, man. You, I wish they would have had one of you in like 1960, man. We had a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a lot of stuff to listen to. <laughs> Thanks very much.
That's Miles Okazaki from his new CD, Figurations. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session. The Jazz or Bus Tour starts this Friday, June 1st. Catch me out there in the world. I'll be traveling down the East Coast and into, uh, you know, kind of Tennessee and some of those places as I go down. So please look at my itinerary at thejazzsession.com slash tour to find out where I'll be. You can come see me read poetry and uh, just come meet me. I'd be very excited to meet you all. What else? Uh, please do support the tour if you can or become a member of the show and then get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. <laughs>